Hey, 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 welcome to the Pastor Duke Podcast. I'm in Sarasota, Florida, loving every minute of it, sitting around the pool, sipping on some lemonade, writing out my podcast text for you, my podcast family. Hey, I love you. I live to do this, getting the word of God into the hearts of people who love the Lord and hopefully enlighten you a bit and uh, encourage you a lot. Here we go. Where might Russia-Ukraine conflict fit into the prophetic plan? I've been asked that question six times already today. I'm podcasting the day after the Russian invasion. You're probably going to be hearing this a week or two in the aftermath due to podcasting 1,500 miles away from my dear, (laughs) beloved mentor, and editor, uh, Pastor John Westfall. But uh, I'm going to hike this thing up to him as soon as possible and get this into your ears as soon as possible. Like billions of others, I'm watching closely. One only the best for the world's population. I hate war. I know you do too. But in Christ, I see it all first through a biblical lens. There is a wholly unseen hand guiding history into the apocalyptic human conclusion. God sits on the throne in heaven, moving quietly backstage uh, among men, bringing to pass his ultimate plan, which allows Satan to run his course. And that's what we're watching unfold before our very eyes. I assure you that Putin... Uh, not Biden, nor Ukraine, nor NATO are the main power brokers in this event. They're just the puppets on the string. Satan is maneuvering his chess pieces into place for his final conflict of the ages. God has told us the end from the beginning. In our human simplicity and finiteness, We ask, well, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? And we'll root for the good guys. Well, history shows it's way deeper than that. Scripture says there's none good, no, not one. We've heard, uh, especially in war times, that the enemy of your enemy is your friend. Uh, That was not found in the scriptures, I would remind you. Yet it ruled the day in World War II where England and the United States got into bed together with Stalin to fight Hitler. The results gave the Eastern European, all of Eastern Europe and Ukraine to the Soviet Union. Together with the Soviets, we beat down Nazism, but established communism and opened up a 35-year Cold War with the Soviet Union, which I grew up in the midst of crawling under my desk at school to protect myself from uh, Russian nuclear activity. That was a real comfort for a six-year-old boy. With that in mind, I see neither the Ukraine nor Russia as good guys. And with a broken heart, I'm no longer sure that America is, in the eyes of God, a good nation. We've been good and done good at times, but killing 63 million of our most innocent through abortion and embracing Sodom as the official moral code for our land, I'm not sure we can claim ourselves to be the good guys in the face of a holy God. 
I've been learning in recent years, our CIA has secretly been up to its neck in corruption, which also saddens me. There is a whole lot more unknowns in in front of me right now than there are knowns. The great Frenchman statesman uh, de Tocqueville came to America in the early 1900s trying to find a secret for America's greatness. And he said he visited the factories, the universities, um, the airports of our land and could not find the answer to why America was so great. Not until he visited the churches and he came to this conclusion, America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. And I think those times are here. But I know from the word of God in what I call a general prophecy of Jesus, kind of what's going on. Our Lord said in the end times before his return, there shall be wars and rumors of wars. Cha-ching. That's certainly being fulfilled. He also said in the Sermon on the Mount, times will be so harsh that, quote, he said men's hearts would be failing for fear and looking after those things that are coming upon the earth. Cha-ching. Again, fulfilled. Crazy times are here. But now for something way more specific, which is what I believe to be the biblical part of this invasion. No, there's nowhere in the Bible that says Russia will invade Ukraine. That's, that's not in scripture. But the body of information about the nations is in scripture prophetically. And that's what we're going to look at now. In the prophetic last days, alignment of nations Number one, we see Russia as a strong uh, military power in the time of the end in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. The ancient biblical name for Russia is Gog, G-O-G. You read about Ezekiel 38. You can go to my podcast called The Russian Connection to go way deeper into Russia and her allies, Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, Turkey, which is called Togarma, and Germany called Gomer. Germany's part of NATO, yet uh, <laughs> under Merkel, she so hated Trump and his nationalism, she signed on with Russia to provide their power aids for the German people. And long ago, the prophet Ezekiel called that one out. Merkel fulfilled it to the letter. So that's Russia and her allies. For those that are more biblically literate of end times scenario, that battle with Gog and Magog, it seems to be, in my, my view, near the middle of the seven-year tribulation period when Russia and her allies swooped down to invade Israel, which was no nation at all from 70 AD until May 11, 1948. Israel had to be reborn for these end times events to unfold. Jerusalem had to be retaken, which it was June 10, 1967. So all the players are in their biblical alignment. So now, what up with Russia-Ukraine situation? I see it as a twofold fit into the upcoming battles in the War of Armageddon. Number one, Russia is strengthening itself with this Ukrainian takeover on all of Ukraine's assets. So I see Russia getting stronger, Ezekiel 38. Number two, Russia tensions with NATO have now completely boiled over that which they most feared has now happened. The Russian tensions are at an all-time high with the Western nations. 
Having feared the USSR and Russia now for nearly 100 years, Putin, now 73 years old, and is a huge fan of Lenin. And I'm not talking about John Lenin, Vladimir Lenin. Putin is a strong nationalist, a huge resistor of globalism and the new world order. He wants to make Russia great again. And it's now or never, in my view, for Putin. And he has chosen now. Why might that be? Which leads me to the most painful part of my message. America in Bible prophecy, nada, crickets. Again, you can go to my podcast, America in Prophecy, and go way deeper on that topic. Why is America so obscure, if even mentioned at all, in the end-time scenario? For the reasons I mentioned earlier, abortion, sodomy, and many more, America is not even mentioned as a player in the end-time scenario. I'm seeing Putin watching America divided over masks, vax, race, gender, southern border, truck convoys, now energy dependent again, a senile president in bed with Ukraine and the Chinese corruption, broken supply lines, a greatly weakened military, and no national resolve to fight. All of that in one year since Biden administration stepped into power. And after a 20-year debacle in Afghanistan, Europe and NATO also divided and weakened with their wokeism instead of military. I can't say that word militarization too easy. Only had one and a half cups of coffee today. Just notice that New York coffee. But I'm in Florida now. Here we go. Putin said yesterday by his actions, it is time. The question's being asked now since his move is, what will Biden do? I say nothing. He'll talk, but take no action. What will NATO do? I say nothing more than some meaningless sanctions. Putin is prepared for those sanctions. He's in a power position. What will Putin do next? Uh, will he go back after the Baltic states and go for the full rebuild of the former Soviet Union? From my prophetic view, I would guess not. And I'll show you why as we continue. I see no biblical World War III coming before Christ's return and the New World Order. So we look now at the end day's bigger picture and how all this that's been happening just these past three days is a perfect fit. The New World Order is at its core the Western Alliance where the Antichrist will rule from Jerusalem. According to Daniel 9.27, his first order of service is signing a seven-year defense of Israel treaty. You can see where America's demise into obscurity and military impotence and financial impotence would force Israel to find a new friend on the block for her defense. I believe that is exactly what is happening now. America is becoming militarily impotent. Antichrist, upfront pro-Israel stance, which he completely turns from in the middle of the tribulation. But up front, it looks like he's Israel's friend. That immediately incites the kings of the south, Daniel 11, verse 40, whom I believe to be a Islamic caliphate that will rise up against the Antichrist. Islam doesn't fit in. They'll be the first to attack, and they will be the first to be destroyed in battle number one of the three-pronged 
Armageddon campaign. We always think of the War of Armageddon as just one battle, but in Scripture, I think there are three. Number one, the kings of the south. Islam fights against the Antichrist because he appears up front to be a friend of Israel. Uh, Somewhere, I believe, just before the middle of the tribulation, we have battle number two, Gog and Magog, Ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39, where Russia and her allies come down on Israel. When we look at the Russian connection there, Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, Iran are the uh, Shiite Muslims who hate the Sunni Muslims. I see that Arab Islamic caliphate to be primarily Sunni. And then, of course, the Shiites have hooked up with Russia and that uh, They've been in bed together now for many years. So Russia strikes Israel, an antichrist, who is seated in Jerusalem. Ezekiel 38 and 39, God uh, gives the horrific results of this upcoming battle, which I call the second battle of Armageddon's uh, campaign. First, the kings of the south, uh, then second, uh, Russia from the north, and then a final battle of Armageddon, hordes of the east, also called the kings of the east, coming with an army of 200 million for the final concluding battle of Armageddon in the Valley of Megiddo in Israel today. So it's that north, south, east, westy thing with the Antichrist rising in the west. So none of us are liking Russia's aggression, but it's all a perfect fit. Putin resisting the New World Order and pursuing Russian nationalism. No surprise there. No longer fearing America or NATO, these tensions mounting. I see as fuel for the fire when there's that all-out advance against the Antichrist in the West during the tribulation period. So we see it fueling those fires of hate and tension. Now for what is lurking in the shadows. You see, I see the Russian-Ukrainian issue as more of a smokescreen for Satan's uh, most sinister plans, which are unfolding kind of backstage. Satan's agenda has ever been to be worshipped as God and sit on the throne of this world. This is exactly what the Antichrist will do. Of the four great political powers in the end, none of them are good. Satan rules them all, all blinded by their material greed and lust for political power. He uses one to destroy the other as he will use the Antichrist to destroy the false prophet of Revelation chapter 13. He has blinded their minds, keeping them from the Savior of the world, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christ has sent his spirit to knock on the door of their hearts. They've said no to Christ, and now they're left with this. Satan orchestrated their deaths and finds solace in their descent into hell, which the Lord prepared for the devil and his angels, but hell hath enlarged herself because of the hardness of the hearts of men. Satan's main focus in the moment is the coming economic reset led by the World Economic Forum and their evil president, Klaus Schwab. His most recent book lays out the explicit plans of the financial elites and their new world order. This group has been meeting for years in Davos, Switzerland. Schwab's book is called The Great Reset. I would say The Great Economic Reset is what it's really all about. And that's not my opinion. That These are just the facts straight from his own words. He also calls what's coming 
the fourth industrial revolution. He summarizes results of their successes all built upon what I believe the lie of climate change. We must save the planet from the people whom he calls useless eaters. In 2030, he said, you will be living in 800-square-foot apartments and high-rise buildings in smart cities. You will drive no cars. You will use only mass transit. You will own nothing. You will eat no meat, and you will be happy. From Klaus Schwab's book, he says, quote, at least 4 billion useless eaters shall be eliminated by the year 2050. By means of limited wars, organized epidemics of fatal, rapid-acting diseases and starvation. I would remind you this was written just a year or so before the COVID thing unfolded. Just keep that in mind. I'll back up a sentence. It'll eliminate much of human population by organized epidemics of fatal, rapid-acting diseases and starvation. Energy, food, and water will be kept at subsistence levels for the non-elite, starting with the white population of Western Europe and North America and then spreading to other races. The population of Canada, Western Europe, and the United States will be decimated more rapidly than the other continents until the world's population reaches a manageable 1 billion, of which 500 million will consist of Chinese and Japanese races, selected because they are a people who have been regimented for centuries and who are accustomed to obeying authority without question. From time to time, there will be artificially contrived water and food shortages and medical care to remind the masses their very existence depends upon the goodwill of the Committee of 300. Klaus Schwab, President of the World Economic Forum. You need to wake up, pull your head out of the sand. These are the days in which our Lord spoke. When you begin to see all these things come to pass, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. It all fits so perfectly with a Revelation 13 scenario. It's all fitting together. What we saw in Revelation 13, the mark of the beast, it seemed like science fiction, but soon will become the world's reality. But before that happens, hallelujah, praise God, Christ has returned for his church to take his bride to his father's house. I don't believe we will be around when the Antichrist comes into power. But for now, the nanotechnology for the chips is here. The 5G system to gather the vast data is nearly in place. Uh, the Elon Musk Skylink satellite system is in. The mega data centers to hold the global population data is nearly complete. Phone chips, uh, 5G, GPS systems in place. Highway surveillance cameras are everywhere I've seen on my trip to Florida this year. And facial recognition is nearly set. China has been the trial run, and it is a success. The social credit system of China is planned for the new world order. All our financial information, our medical information, all our social media posts, transactions will be in the data centers. Big Brother is here, and you can't run, you can't hide from him. Totalitarianism is real, and it is near.
If you'll do your homework, you'll find that those at the core of the financial center are the same people at the epicenter of the vaccine global initiative who control the CDC, who control the World Health Organization and Big Pharma. They are all avowed eugenicists and control the United Nations 2030 agenda. They wrote it. And they're pulling it off to depopulate this planet from 7 billion, some say to 500 million. Schwab said in his book, 1 billion. The mad scientists of our B-rated horror flicks back in the, my teen years turns out to be the charming Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci's of this new COVID culture world. Through the COVID culture, much of the global population have been conditioned to follow every mandate and take every vaccine that they are told will keep them safe and healthy. I believe their innocency has been exploited by the evil one and what they received for their health will be the exact opposite. I hope I'm wrong, but I've studied it out from the hundreds of hours. I've researched the testimonies of those who resist this system. The vaccines are very dangerous and central and central for the new world order to pull off its plans. Many huge plans yet for vaccines are brewing backstage. It's all out spiritual warfare. Lies, misinformation are everywhere. First Amendment gone on all social medias. Shadow banning led to cancer culture. Never has there been a war declared upon a cure for a disease till COVID. Big Pharma, the CDC, the World Health Organization, mainstream media, the entire Democratic Party, and many rhinos are teamed to bring in a totalitarian new world order. We see it almost there in Australia, almost there in New Zealand, and almost there now in Canada. Oh, things are brewing in Canada. It's game on now. Satan has used the COVID culture to tighten his grip and lay the foundation for the global governance. The cancel culture we see now uh, for resistors has always become the kill culture as Nazism, communism, dictatorships have risen through the history. None of them have been good. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. What seemed like science fiction, reading through the book of Revelation, are today's techno-realities. For many years, I was called a conspiracy theorist for preaching all this, but today it's all in the world's face. Deliverance will not come via a rally, uh, a political resistance movement, all of which I welcome. I, I might even be part of all that. But our redemption, our deliverance will come from a personal commitment to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, be you ready for such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. I consider myself a resistor. I resist with my prayers. I resist with my voice. I resist with my testimony. I will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. If I'm martyred, I still win. Holding all this evil off is no more my job than it was Jeremiah's job to stop Babylon from coming. God was using Babylon to bring judgment upon his disobedient people. Same scenario today. He was the very voice of God warning his generation. No one was listening, unfortunately. 
He was no failure at all. He was God's man in God's time doing what God called him to do. And that's the same for us today. Watch and pray and preach away. I'll practice my right to speak my mind. I presently have that right in America. I know I've been in Facebook jail and all that kind of stuff, but I'm going to, I'm going to speak my mind from the word of God. I will vote bad people out, hopefully some good people in. I will peacefully protest. I will peacefully demonstrate. I'll expose the devil's lies and throw Jesus in their face every chance I get. I'll not be silenced. I won't comply with mandates that violate my rights. I won't bow to government overreach. If they arrest me for non-compliance. I'll preach the gospel to those in jail. If they cut out my tongue, I know enough sign language to show people how to be saved. I choose not to be a sheep heading to the slaughter. I'd rather die for the gospel than live in a world without it. Well, you see, Jesus will come at the perfect time this time as he came at the perfect time the last time. I'll be going home this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Our Lord told us what to watch for. He wasn't kidding. And it's all here in our face. I feel no fear. I'm kind of excited about it. I get a little nervous for my grandkids, but I'm reminded Jesus loves them more than I do. He's got my back. He's got them in his hands. I just am so ready for Jesus to come. Hey, thanks for tuning me in today. I hope this is a blessing. I guess I'm getting a little bit more radical in my old age, but I do not apologize. <laughs> Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So thanks for tuning me in today. Keep praying. <laughs> thanks for being patient with me, man. I love you. I love doing what I'm doing. Keep your uh, head out of the sand. Keep your hand on the plow. Love Jesus. Love other people fervently. Bye-bye for now.